One out of ten is today's message. One out of ten is probably the best stories of thankfulness that is in the Bible for me to understand truly what it truly a thankful spirit is. You know, this week we're about to go into what I call the three F's. Family, food, and football. And not all necessarily in that order, but those are three things that everyone looks forward to. We'll have a chance to get together with family. There's going to be some great football games on. And of course there's going to be some great food. And as Kristen said, you can go to the Johnsons and have free food all day long if you'd like. And I think they'd absolutely be fine with that, but stay at home, please. <laughs> it's the one day that we give thanks. It is the one day that we give thanks as a nation. Regardless of your race, religion, whatever it is, this is one day that we come together to give thanks. I've said in the past, I would rather that we had 364 days of thanksgiving and one day of complaining. Just let you get it all out in one day. But unfortunately, we tend to go 364 days of complaining and then, oh yes, on this one day, I need to give thanks. You see, thanksgiving is a part of, of being thankful is a part of our, our Christian character, of who we are, of what Christ did on the cross. A thankful spirit, a thankful spirit is what sets us apart from the rest of this world. If you realize a lot of the world is not happy, they're not content, look to Hollywood, look to television, look to stars, whatever the thing it is, you will see that these people are not happy and content people. They're not our role model when it comes to being content. Someone once said that gratitude is the source of all Christian virtues. Gratitude is the source for all Christian virtues. So if that's true, then ingratitude would be the basis for all of our faults and failures. You see, when we're not thankful for what God has done, when we don't recognize what God has done in our lives, we start becoming bitter. We start becoming more self-reliant. We start taking credit for things that God has done in our lives. And it's him that should be receiving the credit and the glory, not us ourselves. I, so many times I say, Lord, I am such a weak vessel, but through you I am strong. And I give him all the credit and all the glory. It's important that we understand what truly a thankful spirit is like. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be looking at Luke 17, verses 9 through, uh, I mean, 11 through 19. And what it says is, One day Jesus was traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee on the way to Jerusalem. And as he was going into a village, ten lepers met him, and they stood at a distance. And they shouted, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when Jesus saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were made clean. But when he saw that he had been healed, one of them came back and praised God with a loud voice. Amen. Verse 16, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now that man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, ten men were made clean, weren't they? Where are the other nine? And except for this foreigner, were any of them found to return and give praise to God? And then he told the man, get up and go home your faith has made you well, or your version might say whole. I literally could tell you I could preach a whole message just from verse 19. Because it talks about the faith making him well and whole. But if we really look at this, this story represents who every Christian is. We were outcast. We were away from those that we loved. And we had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And it brought us back into our family. 
Isaiah 51.1 tells us this, Listen to me, you people, who pursue what is right and seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and from the quarry which you were dug. In other words, look at from where God has brought you from. See, this is where we have to understand grace and mercy. None of us deserved what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, but it was because of grace and mercy. Mercy is not receiving something that we deserve. Mercy is getting a speeding ticket and the police officer saying, you are so guilty, but I'm, I'm not going to give you that ticket. That is mercy because you deserve that speeding ticket because of your actions. But because of our sins, our sins separated us from God, Jesus Christ came and died on a cross. And it was through the mercy that we received the forgiveness. Only one out of ten returned to give thanks. Nine did not come back to give thanks. And I'm going to tell you that, in my humble opinion, in our society today, I think that this truly is reflective in our society that even 90% of the church does not recognize all that Christ has done on the cross. We preach a message of convenience. We preach a message of, 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 of self-hope and self-gratification. But the gospel is very simple and clear. And it's because of what Christ did on the cross. Because of salvation came from the cross. Amen. Healing came from the cross. Amen. And eternal life that we'll spend with Jesus Christ forever came from the cross. I'm going to go through three points real quickly. And first, I want us to notice the leper's condition. You have to understand in biblical times, leprosy basically destroyed your life. Not only was there the pain of the disease itself, which was very graphic, but also there was a separation. Think about this. If you were diagnosed with leprosy, you would have to leave school or leave your job. You would leave your family. You would no longer receive the kiss from a loved one that you would have. You would have to stand 100 paces based upon the law away from anyone else. You would cover your face. And in Hebrew times, the face was really the soul of a person. They didn't feel like they truly knew you until they saw your face. You would cover your face. Anytime you were near a group, you had to cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. You basically were separated from everything that you knew, everything that was comfortable to you. Your work, your profession, the people you loved. There were no more neighbors coming over and visiting you. It was a horrible, horrible disease. You were essentially cut off. The reason why I'm spending so much time describing this is because it's a picture of sin. You see, sin separates us from God. Sin will separate you from your family. Sin will cause you to go into past and make decisions that will destroy your life, destroy your career, destroy relationships. Sin will fill you full of unforgiveness and bitterness and anger. It will make all of your relationships strained because of sin. And that has separated us from God. In fact, the leper was isolated and in Isaiah 59.2, it says this, But your wrongs have separated you from God, your God, and your sins have made him hide his face so that he doesn't hear you. We have to understand that we don't come to God on our terms. We come to God through forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And once we receive that, we need to continually ask for forgiveness because unforgiveness will hinder your prayer life. Bitterness, anger, you see, the world sees this everyone else in everyone else, but when they hear that you go to a church or that they saw a bumper sticker or something on your life that represents a relationship with Jesus Christ, they're expecting to see something different. And it's important that we truly reflect who Jesus Christ is in our lives. 
Notice in point number two, the leper's cry. As Jesus is entering in from a long journey, he's tired. And here are ten lepers crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Once again, I could almost preach a whole message on that because they were declaring, Master. They had to have heard stories about Jesus. Even though they were separated in sin, they knew who Jesus was, and they're crying out to him. What I love about the word of God, Romans 10, 13 says, so whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Man, I love it when Dino and the worship team lead us songs that just reflect Jesus. He is our savior. He is our healer. He's our redeemer. He's our hope. He's our peace. He is our love. He is our joy. I love when we magnify the name of Jesus. Even this week, as going through situations, I've just started thinking about the name of Jesus. When you are going through stress-filled situations, just start proclaiming the name of Jesus and see what demonic activity will scatter because you brought the name that's above all names into a situation. Where fear is trying to take over, bring in the name of Jesus. You see, society doesn't have a problem with you mentioning God or Allah or any other, but you start mentioning Jesus in your workplace or you start mentioning Jesus in your school, all of a sudden there's a problem. We have to understand what the rest of the world of darkness is understanding. There is power in the name of Jesus. See, we've gotten so used to, oh yeah, Jesus is, Jesus is that. No, I'll tell you what, when you bring Jesus into the situation, and one day we will see the power that Jesus' name brought into a situation. And then as children of the Most High God, we can cry out and call and use that name, and it's just as if I'm using my dad's authority to do something. That's important that we understand. These ten lepers could not, at that time, be physically healed. No doctor could do anything for them. They were helpless. They were crying out, have mercy, because they knew what was going to be happening to them. And I want you to know that we're all born helpless. As these babies up here today, none of them were actually standing and conversing with us, and none of them said we do, like their parents. We're helpless when we're born, and we grow and we learn, but no matter how strong we become, we are still helpless when it comes to sin. And that's why Jesus Christ came and died on a cross for us. You see, it doesn't matter how much money you give, or how good you are, or how well you sing, or whatever the amount is. Our sin separates us from God. And it's only through crying out and asking Jesus Christ to come into our lives that we truly can go into the presence of God. Romans 5, 6 tells us this. Look at it this way. At the right time, while you were still helpless, Christ died for ungodly people. Amen. While I was helpless, before I was ever formed in the womb, Christ died on a cross for my sins, my shame, Everything came down to this encounter with Jesus Christ. Everything. And you know what I love about this story? Jesus had compassion. You know, over the last couple of weeks, I've been kind of throwing this in in all my messages that it's very easy to have sympathy. Sympathy says, oh, that's such a sad situation. Did you hear about that family who, who lost their home on Christmas Eve and lost everything? We all have sympathy. But compassion takes you into action. Compassion says, you know what? That family doesn't have to suffer loss. We, we have gifts. We can take them some of our gifts. We have food. We can take them some of their food. 
Oh, but then all of a sudden, well, they have insurance. I'm sure it'll take place. See, what happens is you just gave up the ability to be a blessing. You see, compassion takes you into action. That's what I love about these Pays apprentices. They've moved from other countries to come in here to get involved with our children in our school, right down the streets from our home. But God stirred them and brought them here. Compassion had them come. It wasn't a ritual. It wasn't a legal agreement. They were compelled to go in. And that's why the church has to become compassionate about something. Amen. It's important that we understand that we live in a very hurting, dying world. And just ignoring it is not going to make it go away. Right. You cannot make eye contact with that beggar on the street. But that doesn't make his situation better. It made you feel a little better while you were sitting at the traffic light. But it didn't change his life or her life. Compassion gets us to go in, and we see that Jesus took compassion on this. It's funny that at first, he didn't say that you were healed. He tells him to go see the priest. Point number three is notice one of the lepers' celebration. We're told as they're walking away, they notice their healing. One out of ten reacted differently. One said he returned back. You have to understand the law. If a leper is to receive a healing, he had to go show himself to the priest. The priest said, you're cleansed. You can come back into society. You can move back into town. So what Jesus was telling him was, go fulfill the law. See, Jesus was the Messiah to be. This is what I love about the last, that one tent that came back. But as they were walking, they noticed that the healing was taking place in their bodies. First, Jesus actually had them do an act of obedience. He could have just said, okay, all ten of you, raise your right... If those that have right hands... It's still a joke. It's leprosy. Okay? Sorry. All right, everybody. Say, I'm healed. I'm healed. Boom, they were healed. Now, go. No. He said... Go show yourselves to the priest. When he spoke that, they still had leprosy. So they're walking thinking, if I go near the priest and I still have leprosy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be banned. I don't know what's worse than what's already in my life, but something worse is going to happen. As they were obedient, just as in, when Naaman was told to go dip in the river so many times, it was through the obedience that the healing came. There's a whole message right there. One reacted differently. Why did one react differently? I feel that he realized that something wonderful had happened. You see, the devil will always try to convince you that wonderful things are not happening in your life. The devil will try to discourage you when great things happen. He will try to steal the blessing away from you. And I think maybe some of the others were thinking, you know what, this just may be temporary. Or I'll see Jesus later. Or, or whatever the case may be. But nine of them decided not to go back and give thanks. But when he began to realize what had happened in his life and how Jesus restored not only his health, but his future, he went back and he worshipped him. He also saw that what he was healed, the Lord had given him a commandment to the priest, but he put that on hold. You see, what happens is he didn't want to get so wrapped up in the gift that he overlooked the giver of the gift. 
You have to, you know how I tell you when you're reading the Word of God, put yourself in that scripture? What if you were one of those lepers? Would you run to the priest so that you could run home and be with the people that you loved? Or would you say, you know what, I've got to go back and I've got to worship the person that gave me this gift? Priorities. Priorities are very important. So many times God gives us so many gifts and we put that on a back priority. You know, God, I'll, I'll spend time with you this weekend when things aren't as busy. Or you and I will go for a walk, God, when, when, I, when I get some time. Priorities. Priorities. He also drew to where God was, and he glorified him, and he made the Lord glorious. He came and he fell down and he worshipped him. And the Lord asked him, were there not ten that were cleansed? Where are the other nine? Now I want you to know, before you go and judge the other nine... Put yourself in their situations. And how many times have we been a part of that nine and not that one? How many times has God done something miraculous in our lives and we just put it on the back shelf or we took it for granted or we possibly even took credit for it? It's important that we understand. Too often we're content to enjoy the gift, but we forget the giver. Then the Lord... Then the Lord told the man, get up and go home. Your faith has made you whole. This was something that the others didn't receive. If you get one thing from this message today, the one that went back and gave thanks got something that the others didn't receive. He said, get up. Your faith has made you whole. You understand who gave you this gift. You didn't go to the priest to fulfill the law of the land. You came to the giver of the gift, the Messiah to be. You see, it's important that he saw the importance of that. All people are blessed of God. All people are blessed of God. But not all people bless God in their lives. We as a nation are blessed beyond measure. I'm assuming every one of you slept on a mattress last night and not on the floor. And I assume most of you had breakfast. If you didn't, it was your own choice because Donnie brings donuts every morning, okay, to church here. We have so much to be thankful for. But I want us as a body of believers to be that one out of the ten. That when God is doing mighty things, we give him all the praise, all the glory. This is a very humble church. We preach from a very humble pulpit, but we serve a very mighty God who is always willing to forgive, to receive us, to change us, to grow us, to love us. It's important that we understand that responsibility. David, if you'd come forward as I close, I want to give you an opportunity to make this week truly a thankful week. I'd like to give you a very brief opportunity to say a prayer that will radically change your life. See, you've heard me talking about this relationship with Jesus Christ and how Christ will come into your life and forgive your sins. Everything that you've done can be forgiven. You say, you don't know what I've done. I say, you don't know my God. You see, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever think. And a lot of times we limit God with our lack of faith. God would never love me. God would never accept me. 
God loved you so much he sent the most valuable thing he had his son to die on a cross for you and for me and as we took communion we recognized that not only was his body crucified for our healing for our sickness our disease but it was also crucified for the forgiveness of our sins and it's important that we understand with all heads bowed and all eyes closed if there's anyone that's listening to this message and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior as Dino mentioned it in the worship time that somebody knocked on his door and said hey if you were to die today do you know where you'd spend eternity that question that question was so black and white to Dino but he knew that he didn't have Christ in his life it's important that we understand the recognition of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I'd like to lead everybody in a very simple prayer. And if you pray it and you mean it, it'll radically change your life. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I am saved. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and sincerely meant it, your past has been forgiven. Jesus Christ is residing inside of you. It's a new love relationship. Fall in love with the Jesus that's inside of you. Fall in love with your Heavenly Father. Find out who they are by spending time in the Word, asking questions of other believers, having joy, having thankfulness. You know, a couple years ago, I preached a message the week before Thanksgiving, and I asked for everyone to, to fast that week. You should have seen the facial expressions. You can't ask me to fast this week. But what I asked them to do is I asked them to fast the complaining spirit that is so evident in our lives. I want to mention to that to you again. Even today, just notice when a complaining spirit, I know the Cowboys are playing, notice when a complaining spirit may come into your life and recognize that complaining spirit and start giving thanks in replace of it. Can you try that just for, for today? And if you're successful, somewhat successful, could you pass it on to tomorrow and go possibly the whole week with just giving thanks instead of complaining about situations? It'll radically change your heart. I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. So if I could have you all stand. So may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming today.